Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 8. I am back with my brother Ethan yet again. How's it going? And this week was certainly eventful. Um, two red cards across the slate. Uh, first win for Arteta against uh, Guardiola. Um, West Ham snatched a draw against Newcastle. Somehow United snatched a win from defeat through a player not named their good one. <laughs> um, their one good one, I should say. Um, I mean, Chelsea get the win. Everton body Bournemouth. Uh, Brighton take a point off Liverpool. Tottenham win down a man. Like this was a lot went on this week. Um, I, I would As say per silent, usual. but it wasn't, it wasn't really silent. <laughs> yeah. Um, Palace played a boring game, which is just like it's just on brand for the Premier League. Mm. Um, but before we get into all of that, um, there is some messy news to cover. Um, because Messi, I, I okay. Here's the thing, like. Why isn't Messi playing? Let's before we get into the other Messi stuff. Messi just like skipped five games. He was injured for like what reason? Do you know? He was injured. Yeah. Like actually. Yeah. He was injured. Oh wow. Okay. I didn't you pr- that. Yeah, you probably didn't um, realize because Inter Miami was trying to basically fraud the uh, like people buying tickets to like make them think that there was a chance Messi was gonna play for any given game. When he was never gonna play, like for like the League's Cup final, when he was actually? like in contention. Well, yeah, it's not like it's not like actually being like fraudulent, but they were like misleading. Uh-huh. Like they were saying like, oh, you know, game time decision for Messi, he might play. Of course, Messi was never yeah. gonna play, but they didn't want. They yeah. say Messi's not gonna play three days before the game. Ticket sales wow. are gonna, you know, plummet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, wow. that's probably why they why it was a bit more on the DL and like it wasn't like a big thing. Yeah. Um, but um, it was a big thing because they lost the League's Cup final without Messi. Um, and they got eliminated from playoff contention without Messi. Actually, Messi came on for the last half hour of their game against yeah, whoever. I think maybe Chicago. But uh, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. but the real Messi news here is the inevitable messy glazing uh or contra- <laughs> controversial whether or not it's glazing because messi has been nominated for mls mvp despite playing a grand total of 247 minutes of mls soccer um and on paper when i first saw this i'm like come on now like this is this is ridiculous however i did learn that each team is actually allowed to nominate up to two players for MLS MVP, and there's actually 30 uh, nominees before they narrow it down to like a five-person shortlist. That being said, it's only 30 out of a possible 58 nominees. Not every team nominated two players or even one player. Miami actually yeah. also nominated Busquets as well, who hasn't even been Busquets that great. Busquets actually played less menace. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's it's a bit controversial because it's the U.S. and so it's not like Player of the Year; it's MVP. And so, if you want to really say yeah. was Messi the most valuable player in MLS, there's an argument with Messi. Um, Miami won. I don't think they lost a single game with Messi on the field. Maybe one, but they won like ten out of eleven with him. And I think they won just like one of six in MLS without Messi. So certainly an argument that he was indeed the most valuable player for any given MLS team. However, if we're calling it more of a player of the year award, then that's just like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's more just like they brought him in for to get the league publicity and, you know, nominating for the MVP is just another way to get, you know, more publicity without having to do too much. It's uh, obviously I uh, well, I hope not. If he wins the Ballon d'Or and the uh and the MLS MVP, <laughs> it, it, it could stain his career achievements. Yeah. Putting that next to his uh his six very real Ballon d'Ors, seven. <laughs> I don't want uh, seven, right, seven. Uh I don't really I'm not going to read too much into this and but it is fun to talk about because, you know, soccer in this country is growing because of him. So, um, 
But without any further ado, let's get into the match week eight coverage, starting off with uh, the game that may or may not spark the rest of the season for Manchester United. Manchester United 2, Brentford 1. Brentford was up in this game for... Brentford scored their goal in 26. It was Matthias Jensen. They were up one nothing for the next 74 minutes. 64, 64 minutes. 67 minutes. Before Scott McTominay comes on and wins the game. Not just draws the game, wins the game for Manchester United. He gets the first in the 93rd and the second in the 90th plus seven. Two very scrappy but very clinical goals, I should yeah. say. The second one, I think you can make an argument that uh, maybe could have been kept out. But the first one was a really good touch and a really good finish yeah. from a, dare I say, pure goal scorer. <laughs> um. If you count what he's been like for Scotland. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is something that uh, straight out of like a really poorly written movie, Ethan. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen United, you know, score late winners before, late equalizers before, but this this was a whole nother level. And we've seen and again, we mentioned with the uh, you know, extended added time that we we're gonna see a lot of things like this. I mean, we already saw yeah. it with Tottenham this this season and now yeah another it's crazy how like two teams yeah. already in the first eight games of the season have made two goal comebacks in, in stoppage just made up the last yeah in stoppage time alone mm. yeah the this this aguero thing is all of a sudden it's not so special <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just guard might have gotten a fucking equalizer at the end of the game yeah like they're not playing in these times <laughs> um exactly but yeah, Scott McTominay, I mean, of all people. Uh obviously, like I said, his form for Scotland has been phenomenal. Um, he's also a former striker, too, I believe. Uh so I mean he's got that in his We're all DNA. Um, I don't know if he I didn't realize he had that clutch DNA. Uh but certainly, <laughs> certainly has that bit of goal scoring in him. Um, but in the context of the of the whole game. This United, you know, it's painting over a very mediocre slash subpar United performance. Um, the I mean, goal, the goal they conceded yeah. was a calamity from start to finish. Casemiro gave the ball away inside his own half. Then Lindelof, with one of the weakest clearances I've ever seen, it's literally like he had bunch of time, bunch of space. Yeah. Tons of time to react to the ball coming his way, and he literally just like passed it four yards inside his box to Yohan Wisa. And yeah. then Onana let in a very savable shot. Um, yep. Just crept right under him. So it seemed to be going from bad to worse for United. But hey, three points here is three points. Sometimes that's it all you really is. need. Um, yeah, this is, at what point do we say Onana's bad keeper? Because before, <laughs> before it was kind of like, all right, you show up and you put on the gloves for Manchester United. It's never going to be easy with all the pressure on you. But, um, these are saves that like you bring up the U- U19 Academy goalie and he probably keeps you in this game. Like, yeah, these are, these are just like routine, like, you know, warm ups saves. Like, you know, when you say like, you know, just kick it at the keeper to warm up, and then you can start shooting. Like this is the shit he's letting in. Like it's and this this back line probably didn't do him any favors. Dallow, Maguire, Evans, and Lindelof at left back. Like with Amrabat and Casemiro, two very defensive midfielders in front of him. Like that's it. This whole team just seemed unbalanced. And I know they're having a bit of a like an injury issue right now. No Luke Shaw, no Regulon, no Varan, no Martinez. Uh, no Wabasaka. Well, I don't even know if Wabasaka's healthy. He might be healthy. Um, no, he's not. He's not healthy. No. Um, like this. Uh, like <sighs> I know they're. I know they're struggling to put together a a formidable side right now. So you know maybe 
Onana, if his goals, you know, goals against per games ratio was bad because they just keep letting up shots, fine. But like this is like Onana is single handedly dragging this, taking points off the board for this team. Yeah. It's it's getting to the point where who's their backup? Like, um, uh, it's a new, it's Henderson? a new signing. Is Henderson? No, I new think signing? I think Henderson is Alan Lone right now. Um, it's a new signing. I think from Turkey. I forget how to pronounce his name, but mm-hmm. it's a. Uh, is it uh, uh, Bayendir? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale lost his job for less. I know the Rye is a capable goalkeeper, but mm. like, at what point do we say like, hey, the like, standard is a bit higher? Maybe over there for goalkeeper. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, sometime on the bench will reignite Onana and kind of make him less complacent. I don't know, or maybe it's just nerves, and you know, it's playing goalkeeper for Manchester United is one of the hardest jobs in the world, which it is. Um, nonetheless. United take all three against Brentford at home. They stop their losing, their losing skid in general, but they're losing at home skid as well. Um, I uh, I put on the TikTok one of the betting picks picks this week was Brentford tie or win, and uh, somehow that was yeah. snatched right <laughs> out from under us. So uh, definitely out. what they call the bad beat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! As soon as you saw um, McTominay they warm but- it up, cash out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but this was, I mean, you look at the stats here, obviously, Man United, this is a lot of their st- their games this year have looked like this, you know, 21 shots, 8 on target, 64% possession. It's really been more the eye test that's been concerning for them. Um, but on the other hand, Hoyland's looked good, didn't get his name on the score sheet, uh, on, uh, s- Saturday, but the one spot, you know, there's probably multiple spots, but the one spot, you know, priority number one was to get a striker in. And I think that the fact that the rest of the team has been injury laden slash underperforming is taking away from the fact that they may, judging by these early performances, have found their nine. So when these do piece, these pieces do come back, like Lissandra Martinez, I know I think they say that injury is worse than originally thought, now it's gonna be a couple months. Um, but Veron, they're going to get Veron back. Maybe Mason Mount starts playing capable soccer at some point. Um, what they really Anthony need is the fuck up Rashford getting the allocations. Rashford yes. has been yeah, but like all these guys, underwhelming. Yeah. But th- like the other pieces were there. The other pieces were what got them into the Champions League last year. What they were really missing was a guy to replace the Veghorst Martial like nightmare blunt rotation up top <laughs> that was just dragging this team down. Like... And now they have Hoyland, who was, I said it before, a question mark, and I wasn't prepared to say they found their number nine, but he has played really well so far. And should he keep these performances up and the rest of the team figures out their form, their routine form, Onana starts playing like even a mediocre goalkeeper at this point will take. Like, this team could snap into form very quickly. I'm not, this game is a complete luck fest, and they're. You know, this isn't really even resiliency. I think it's just the ball fell to you and you slapped it in the net two times. I don't even think the second one should have gone in necessarily. This is not a game. This may be a game that says like, okay, shake the the cobwebs off, shake the you know pressure off a little bit. Uh, if we lose this game, now everybody's pointing at Aaron to Eric Ten Hag. Maybe Eric Ten Hag can take a little deep breath. It's great for morale, but I don't I don't think it covers any of the issues. I think they need to generate their form back before I can say that they have turned this thing around. Um, so this is nice for morale. It's nice for the fans, but uh, I am not, I'm certainly still concerned about this performance. Yeah, I completely agree with you there that I don't think United fans should be reading into it too much. Like, oh yeah, this is like the psychological victory we needed to turn shit around. Like, no, you yeah. guys are still playing like shit. Like, no... This this is just three points. This is just three points to be very happy about. Really? That because you could have had none. But this doesn't take away from the yeah, fact that, that most of this team is really off form. Your key players from last year, Casemiro got yanked off at halftime. He's been very poor this year. Rashford's been underperforming too. I mean, you guys needed a goal. Rashford's supposed to be your main man, and Eric Ten Hag took him off in the sixty third minute. I mean, that is very yeah. very telling of. 
you know, the state of this Man United team right now. So, listen, you're Man United's currently five points outside of top four, eight games in. That is absolutely nothing to be worried about. The form yeah. is what is there to be worried about. Agreed. You can easily get yeah. top four from this position, but you have to turn the form around. And that's that looks like a much taller order right now for this United team. Agreed. Agreed. We move on to Brighton 2, Liverpool 2. This one was, I mean, when Brighton and Liverpool clash, it's like always like spectacular for some reason. Yeah. Like minimum three goals, <laughs> usually four or five or even six. Um, it got started in the 20th minute. C- Simon or Simon, not entirely sure at this point. We'll have to check back on that. Uh, Simon slash Simona Dingra in the 20th minute was a little bit of a wacky goal. Uh, McAllister got pickpocketed in the midfield. The defense was a little open because they, you know, expected their experienced midfielder to get rid of the ball and not give it up clean to the midfield. Um, Adingra picks his pocket, and Allison, being the um, offensive goalkeeper that he is, was showing for the ball instead of being in goalie position. He tries to get back. Adingra curls it around him. Maybe Allison could have gotten more on it. Maybe not. It's one of those tough ones. Like, he was a little bit off balance. Nonetheless, one nothing. Brighton in the 20th. Then Mo Salah in the 40th. Uh, McAllister, this time turning half provider, kind of dummying it and letting it go for Mo Salah to tuck in rather easily. Then in the 41st, uh, Mo Salah gets a penalty, gets his brace. Then in the 78th, Lewis Dunk gets a goal. It was weird kind of. Robertson like was going up to block it and then kind of like pulled back his leg because yeah. maybe he thought he was gonna like put it in his own net or something mm-hmm. like that. And he's well, understandable because he yeah. was never in a position to fully wrap his foot around it. He was always just gonna make uh-huh. just a connection with yeah. it. And he was just gonna have to kind of hope it didn't go in the net. So I can kind of understand it yeah. from a defender's perspective. Yep. Um, but that would be the way it finishes. Two two at the Amex. Um, Liverpool. Looking good on a little bit of form. Um, probably a little bit disappointed to be dropping points. Uh, but, you know, Brighton, obviously a team that takes points off everyone nowadays. So, um, Tottenham, Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, currently the top four. Liverpool uh, sitting at the bottom of those four. Um, maybe if they had some kind of title aspirations this year, would have liked to take uh, three points there. But, again. Going to the Amex these days is just a very tough place to play. Yeah, uh, Brighton continue to be Liverpool's bogey team. I think that's one win in eight against Brighton, or one yeah. in the wow. last eight. So that goes back yeah. to before they were actually like, you know, yeah. playing good soccer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, continue to have their struggles against Brighton, and as Brighton continue to improve, those struggles are only going to increase. Um, but I think they're going to be especially disappointed with only taking a point out of this game, especially considering the fact that 2-1 up, Gravenberch missed an absolute sitter that Chavisla yeah. just Jeez. put across the box. I mean, it bounces up, but it doesn't bobble. Like, Gravenberch has time to, you know, adjust his feet to, you know, just keep it down, and he just strikes the bar. Um, and, yeah, that could have put the game away, and then... In the last 20 minutes, Brayden really uh, upped their game. Matomo was starting to really cook down that left-hand side. That's how he won the free kick that led to the subsequent equalizer. Um, but overall, this is just a really fun game to watch. Both teams were trying to play out of the back, which in the end led to three out of the four goals uh, <laughs> failed playing out of the back. Both the Braytons, um came from just overplaying a little bit, but it made for good soccer because both teams were pressing as well. So this is the type of game that we could have seen in the Liverpool Spurs game, if not for the refereeing, like this kind of just end to end high intensity, both teams playing non-conservative styles of soccer. So very fun to watch retrospectively very disappointed that we didn't get to see this type of game last week for Liverpool because this Mm. is the way they play and again anytime you tune into Liverpool you can expect to see a pretty entertaining game and when they're up against a team 
of similar quality and play style, like Brighton, like and now Spurs. I'm sure when they play Arsenal, you're going to see a lot of the same too. Um, although that is kind of what we said for the Arsenal City game, and that kind of <laughs> ends up being a pretty cagey <laughs> match. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just overall high entertainment factor in this one, just for the neutral. Yeah, yeah, it always is, Brighton Liverpool. Um, but yeah, Liverpool have been playing with this kind of uh, all, you know, gas, no breaks uh, style, which, um, you know, they played a little bit uh, back in their uh, Champions League winning slash Premier League winning days with the Mane, Salah, Firmino. Um, but they were certainly more secure at the back then. They haven't been fantastic in defense. Their offensive, very offensive uh, style of midfield that they're playing has caused this like very end-to-end game where like Slavoslav and McAllister are like caught up a lot of the time, and they're allowing these breaks backwards, which Brighton obviously love to counter, uh, love to attack with with the Matomas of the world and the Adingras of the world. It's, it's. It's risky, and it's not, like I say, it's not like Klopp, but, like, this team is clearly very vulnerable at the back, and, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know how many clean sheets they've kept this year. Their they're defensive, they haven't been letting up a ton of goals, but honestly, I think that's kind of just, like, not going to say luck, but, like, fortune? I mean, that's the same thing as luck, but, like, you know, like, I, I think that, they're giving up a lot more chances than I think their goals against tally really shows. They have nine goals against, which is good for tied for fourth best in the league, which on paper isn't that bad, but it does look like they're giving up a ton of chances. Yeah. And one clean sheet uh, this against year Newcastle, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Against Newcastle, when Nunez uh, scored a brace and came back to uh, beat them, like Newcastle probably had like four XG in that game. Like they were all over them and probably should have put the game to bed way before that left Liverpool in the game and their quality got it done in the end. Like this Liverpool team is giving up a lot of goals. I think down the road and over a 38 game season, it may come back. This, I think Liverpool could hit a little bit of a rut, uh, like a dip in form. If they're the chances they're conceding end up getting capitalized on that being said, their offense looks almost exactly what I thought it would. Nunez is hitting his form. Salah's back to, I'm not going to say his best, but he is obviously very quality again. He's finding his assist form as well. Um, Luis Diaz, he was missing for a lot of last season. Having him back has been amazing for Liverpool. He is People forgot how shifty he is and how much he does for that yeah. offense. Um, and that's this is without Jota too. Um so yeah, this is this is a Liverpool team that might slide down or up in they they could beat City 4-0 or they could, you know, lose to Brighton 6 to 4 at home. Like that you I really couldn't predict going into any Liverpool game. It, like it I feel like every Liverpool game is going to be uneasy for at least 45 minutes for both sides. Mm. Um it's really not going to get put to bed like the Cities and the Arsenal's do sometimes um and i guess the tottenham's nowadays but yeah i for the neutral fantastic team to watch i tune into every liverpool game every week because they're end-to-end give up chances get a lot of chances like it's it's entertaining football but uh from a liverpool perspective i think you'd like a little more defense security brighton on the other hand they've had they haven't won in either of their last two games however Still sitting sixth on 16. Um, have gotten wins. They came off three wins before this last uh, loss last week and draw this week. So, you know, dips in form maybe a little bit. Um, Matoma hasn't, was a little bit quiet at the weekend. Um, obviously without a stupid on two. Uh, no Lamptey either. He's kind of found his way back into the team, but then got injured. Um, so this team... You know, I, I dare I say off form maybe, but like there's still going to be a hassle to play against every week. And uh, the top four this year might be pretty locked with how well Tottenham's playing. I think 
the fact that Tottenham and Chelsea last year played really poorly opened up that spot for a non-Big Six team. I don't know if it's going to be there this year because Arsenal City, Tottenham are playing really well, and then Liverpool seem to be getting the job done on a week-to-week basis. I think they might dip in form, which might open up a spot, but also Newcastle's in and around there. Aston Villa are playing their socks off right now, so um, it's a tough time to to kind of wiggle your way into the Champions League if that's the Brighton's aspirations this year, but um, who knows? I mean, this team seems to regenerate limbs like a hydra. You know, they lose yeah. one, they grow back, they, they grow two back. It's like incredible. So it's exciting. You know, the Liverpool, Liverpool Brighton these days is like one of those matches you can't take your eyes off. So um, yeah. glad it's delivered this week. And then we move on to the big one. Arsenal won Manchester City nil. The winner coming from, well, Ake's face, but Martinelli's boot. Um, this one was an entertaining nil-nil. I mean, this entertaining not in the way that like maybe each team could have won it. Entertaining more like it was. It felt like a chess match. It felt mm. like you know two really tactical managers who. Both are dealing with suspension, injuries, etc. You know, fucking Jorginho got the start. I mean, that's if that's not. Yeah. (laughs) It's spooky season. I know. You know, it's it's Halloween's around the corner, but that's a scary sight. That wasn't Um, what I wanted to wake up to on (laughs) on a Sunday morning. I cannot blame you. Um, But. The demons. I mean, I said out of pure spite that Arsenal will lose this game three nothing, but have they exercised the demons? It seems as that this doesn't mean that they could lose the city twelve more times, um, you know, in the coming <laughs> years. But right now, it means absolutely everything for this football club to beat Man City in the Premier League. In order for Arsenal to if Arsenal truly have title aspirations, which clearly they do, they need to be able to beat City in the league, and that's what they've done here. Arsenal weren't ever going to be able to get over that hump unless they were able to beat City in the league. And obviously it's not just a psychological victory, it's also in terms of points. It's hard to beat the best team in the world to the league title if you're giving up, you know, six points to them every single year. So this is in every aspect, just an absolutely massive victory for Arsenal. There's yeah. not much more you can say. Yeah. I, the later it got, the more I was like, I, I was feeling myself like, okay, this is just a nil-nil. It just feels like a nil-nil. Like each team has had like maybe a good chance, but like really, not really. Like they both seem content to kind of, keep the ball not just for their own sake but to keep it away from the other team like it just feels like this is going to play to a stalemate Arteta and Guardiola are going to shake hands and we're just going to move on with the rest of the Premier League season um but the later it got the more I was like what the fuck why couldn't the ball just find its way into the back of the Man City net you know and just like work out for Arsenal and it did and that's exactly what happened fucking Kai Havertz comes on and gets an assist, technically. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tommy Asu was on an adventure, but thank God he was because what he was doing he there, I'll down. never know. <laughs> <laughs> this new Tommy Asu, um, like inverted fullback slash like left wing yeah. striker position, is just <laughs> it's all confusing yeah. to me, but it's working out. <laughs> he would uh, Arteta put him on the play as striker uh, FIFA tactics. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is. It's one of those games where you're, you know, it's, I said I said it about like probably five or six games last year, but it's one of those games where, you know, when if Arsenal, I'm gonna say when, got it, that that slipped out. If <laughs> Arsenal win the title in uh in May, you'll look back at games like this and be like, couldn't have done it without that one. Honestly, yeah. not just maybe for the three points, but for the morale, uh, especially after taking a big blow to Lens midweek without Bukayo Saka. I mean. You would tell me they beat Man City without Bukayo Saka. I know they're missing De Bruyne and Rodri, two pieces mm. of, uh, you know, I was going to say they're big three, 
but you know, you can throw Diaz in there too, Ederson. So, you know, they, they run so deep that it's really the big 11. Um, so, but yeah, missing Rodri, I mean, <laughs> those stats, those stats with and without Rodri, like if you don't mm-hmm. believe in how important it is to have a six, you are not watching football. Speaking of how important it is to have a six, Declan Rice was yeah. unfucking real unreal yeah. one of its the best performances in any football shirt that i've seen england west ham arsenal that was that was some serious fucking backpacking in that midfield ball winning ball progressing dribbling progressive dribbles he was a heartbeat of the team uh william saliba and gabrielle they probably ran like i don't know they took maybe a big, strong, like, 22-year-old off the academy team and just threw him up top and told him to just, like, swing his elbows and limbs at uh, <laughs> Saliba and Gabrielle in training and just be like, just train. Because they looked like they had a plan for yeah. Holland. They were roughing him up. They were, you know, uh, getting in on him for, uh, like, when he was trying to make a run, they would step in front of him. Was it all legal? We probably could have got Saliba or Gabrielle for a couple of those, but, I mean... Holland has been pushing and shoving his way to 30 goals a season for a couple of years yeah. now. So like that's, that's part of what he does. He's a physical player. And in order to beat physical players, you got to be physical back. That's what you do with the Mikel Antonio's of the world, with the Lukaku's of the world, with the Oshamans of the world. Like that's, that's how you got to deal with them. And sometimes they're just a bit too big and too strong. But when you got guys like Saliba in there who can also keep up with his quickness and his strength, like, you're never going to out physical Gabriel. You're just not. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you, these are tough, tough center backs. And maybe their weakness are the, you know, the Agueros of the world who can kind of like shift and find space rather than, you know, use their body. But maybe, I mean, two games now this season against uh, Saliba and Gabriel and very few shots. I know he generated zero XG in this game, but wasn't really effective in the community shield either. I think. Maybe it's just like a kryptonite situation where they uh they defend real Holland really well because they can match well up with them physically, um which is nice because there's a good chance um these guys these two teams will go toe to toe not just for the Premier League but maybe in the Champions League in the next couple of years so um you know having Holland come to play you guys and not performing is a luxury that I will not take for granted um but yeah you can go up and down the list uh on uh up and down the team sheet on Sunday. They they needed to be... I mean, clean sheet against City. Like, how many teams can say they've done that this year? I think zero so far. Um, but let's talk about City for a second. Two losses on a spin? Like, I know last week was a little bit of a smash and grab, but, uh, yeah, this is... They're sitting in third. I can't remember the last time City had been sitting in third after, like, more than two game weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, like you mentioned, concerning for City, uh, all three losses in their last four games came during the Rodri suspension. Um, like you mentioned earlier, if that doesn't tell you how important, uh, number six is, and not just any number six, arguably the best six on the uh-huh. planet, um, is yeah. to a team, there you have it, because they, they were sorely missing Rodri in that game just building out from the back they just didn't look themselves without Rodri there I know they have Bernardo Silva sitting deep in there um and Bernardo Silva he can play there he can you know move the ball from back to front but he just doesn't have the composure in midfield that Rodri has also by putting Bernardo Silva there you're also missing out on his abilities out wide to take on players, his creativity higher up the field. Um, also, of course, they're missing De Bruyne, but hey, City were, you know, sitting top of the league with De Bruyne out for, you know, five mm-hmm. games in their, you know, De six game win streak to start the season. Yeah. And De Bruyne is great, and you're never, there's no player in the world that can physically replace De Bruyne, but there's so much ball creativity on this team like you can make up for that in the aggregate the Fodens the Silvas like you can make up for that in the aggregate like they're the Grealish shit like they 
they can make up for a lack of De Bruyne. They can, and they have before. The lack of Rodri is the calmness, the um, press release, the like playing out of the back release. Like, it's it it messes up everything because their backup six is Calvin Phillips, and that's just it's it's not really a player you want to throw in there. They're playing Rico Lewis kind of as that like left back slash CDM, which is good, and obviously he's a good player, but he's certainly not Rodri, and creativity is one thing that they have in abundance but that kind of calmness and ability to play out of the back that they rely on so heavily without Rodri it it it's damaging and i think we're coming to see that in the last couple of games yeah so city's only three losses on the season that come without Rodri to what degree is that can that be attributed to missing Rodri himself? If Rodri's in there, do they win all three games? Obviously, they perform better, maybe get a win or two out of there, but not all of it can be... Three losses can't all be put down on missing one player, especially when you're the best team in the world who are just so spread out in terms of their quality. You know, No matter how important Rodri is, you can't just say these three losses are because you're missing one guy. So... Yeah, there is there is concern for City here in the short term. Let's let's not forget that this is also Manchester City and we're eight games into the season. City are still title favorites. Yes. I think it's as simple as that. I don't think if you're saying anything else, um, I think you're deluded and just you know, a bit caught up in the moment. Which if you're an Arsenal fan, you know, I'll, we'll let it slide because it's been a while. It's been a rough, <laughs> yeah. It's been a rough eight years since the last <laughs> win against City, so we'll let sure. it slide for now. But we we have to still remember that this is Manchester City. They could pick up yep. no points from the first eight games, and I still think they're gonna win the title. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and this is a team that is going to get Rodri back. It's going to get De Bruyne back. Like uh, Holland will. Yeah, Stones I mean, just came back as well. I was going to say get back at the form. Like he wasn't like scoring hat tricks like two weeks ago. <laughs> um, like this is a team that's like, you know, off days. Off days, off days, off days. Like uh, last week was a complete anomaly in my opinion. This week, you know, Ake slaps that ball into the back of the net in the fifth minute and it's a completely different game. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's not forget about that chance. That was probably the best chance of the game before, um, you know, Ake's face got into the mix. Um, but, you know, this is the kind of breaks you need to win titles, and it starts now. It's the great thing about the Premier League is that the last game is just important as the first, is just important as the 10th, is just important as the 22nd. So, um, as it stands, Arsenal sitting two points above City. Uh, I don't exactly know. I think behind Tottenham on goals four, I think, is yes. the tiebreaker after goal difference. Um, but eight games of the season, I'm not really looking at the uh, the third tiebreaker <laughs> when it comes to the uh, the top two. But um, as we wrap up the feature games, we roll right into some matches from around the ground, starting off with uh, the midweek game, which bears talking about, um, which is Luton Town versus uh Burnley I believe it was uh Burnley taking that 2-1 uh they take was that their first win of the season yes it was yes it was their first win of the season they take all three uh Lyle Foster just on the stroke of halftime 45th plus two Elijah Adebayo in the 84th to equalize not one minute before uh Jacob Brun Larson in the 85th seals the three points for Vincent Company's, uh, what is their nickname? The Brownies. <laughs> the Brownies. <laughs> what? <laughs> um. Uh. Honestly, don't know. Clarets, maybe, but like, there's a lot of claret mm. in blue teams. I think Are it could be the Clarets. It could be the Clarets. I think. I think it is Clarets. You can look that up while I do this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For now, we'll say the Clarets oh, yeah, take all three Clarets. points on the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't edge themselves out of the 
relegation zone just yet. Actually, just a couple goals back of Luton Town, um, who have nudged themselves somehow out of the relegation zone um, after getting two losses in one week. Um, speaking of two losses in one week, Luton Town nil, Tottenham one. Despite the Basuma red card just in the stroke of halftime, Mickey Van Deveen gets on the end of a pretty shifty James Madison turn uh, right on the byline. Puts into the middle. Van Deveen gets on the end of it. And that would be enough to seal all three at Kenilworth Road. Uh, a game that Tottenham probably expected to take three points from, but once it was nil-nil at halftime, down a man. Definitely some adjustments needed to be made, but Ange Postacoglu, right now, the favorite, the clear favorite for uh, manager of the season after yeah. uh, after eight games, uh, made some nice adjustments and was able to get three points on the day, and that's kind of what you need. Um, you know, Dare I say, if you want title aspirations, you need to take three points from Kenilworth Road, and that's what they did. Fulham three, Sheffield one, comfortable win. For Fulham at home, uh, Bobby De Cordova Reed gets to start off in the 53rd. Will he ever go away? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> he's been decent this year. Uh, then our boy Anthony Robinson gets an own goal in the 68th to equalize. But Wes Fodderingham, who has to have been a descendant of royalty or something, that is a <laughs> very proper last name. Wes Fodderingham gets the own goal in the 76th, and then William seals it. And the 92nd, another player that simply will not go away. Um, but Fulham getting a comfortable win against Sheffield United this year. Sheffield United have been secretly dreadful. Uh, one point from eight games. They lost eight nothing. I don't think it was that secretive. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, they've been comfortably. I should say comfortably <laughs> dreadful. Um, they have four losses on the spin. Negative 16 goal differential. Just one point from eight games. Uh, they might be looking at a managerial change in the near future. Burnley 1, Chelsea 4. Chelsea, obviously, have to go down one nothing. Wilson Odebear in the 15th minute gets the thing started. Then a own goal from Amin al Amin Dakil in the 42nd equalizes Cole Palmer penalty. In the 50th was the eventual match winner, Raheem Sterling in the 65th, and then Nicholas Jackson in the 74th. Um, but Raheem Sterling was the absolute star of the show in this game. He has been one of the few bright spots for Chelsea so far this season. And it kind of makes sense because a lot of these young guys are wor- may be worried about playing time. So many players to grapple with for playing time in this team. So many young signings. Um, but Ryan Sterling being the, one of the few veterans on this team has stepped up and played very well. I mean, it, I think it's been overshadowed by this team's form, but Raheem Sterling has been pretty good so far this season. Yeah. Um, yes. And they, to, in order to dig themselves out of this rut, they're probably going to need a little bit more form from him as well. Um, <clears throat> but Chelsea take all three on the day. They're up to 11th. What do you know? Everton 3, Bournemouth 0. Rare, comfortable win for Everton this season, but they get it done. That's two wins from their last three. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. James Garner in the eighth gets a starter early, then an absolute banger from Jack Harrison in and off the bar um, to make it 2 nothing. And then I'd like to Corey in the 60th for the insurance. 3 nothing on the day. Everton sitting now in 16th, dragging themselves out of the relegation zone. Uh, now three points clear of Luton Town in 17th. And Bournemouth into the relegation zone. That's three losses on the spin, just three points from their first eight games. They might be looking at a managerial change soon. I feel like they always go through some kind of managerial change. I know they started the season with a new manager, but yeah. Yeah, um, a very... I mean, a very controversial decision to fire Gary yeah. O'Neill for uh, Iriola, which does not seem like it's been <laughs> paying off so far. Uh, in the context of the Everton result, I do want to bring up the craziest stat I saw today, which is that in the Premier League... Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yes. yes. I know what you were saying. <laughs> Everton have produced more expected goals than Manchester City. When I read that on Twitter, I 
could not believe what I was seeing. I would like I would like somebody to make a video compilation of every single shot that Everton have taken and how much XG it cost. It it added. Because I simply don't believe that. I think no. that the guy who's doing the XG at Goodison Park is way too biased an Everton fan and thinks that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is going to score with every touch of the football. Because that is that is egregious. There is absolutely no way that Everton Football Club have produced more XG than City. It's just impossible. City have probably double, maybe triple the shots of Everton this season. That would mean that Ever, almost every one of Everton's shots is worth three times more XG on average than in, in a Manchester City shot. It just doesn't make sense. I need to see the actual footage. I need to before I will believe that because I don't think it's true. Anyway, that was my passionate rant about XG. <laughs> we move on to a game that's barely worth talking about, as is most Crystal Palace games this season. Uh, besides last week. Last week was fun. Last week they beat uh, United. Uh, but this week was much more boring. Uh, Crystal Palace nil, Nottingham Forest nil. Uh, a grand total of seven shots on target in this game. Um, not much to really say. This kind of seems like a nil-nil from the start. Two teams uh, that are playing pretty similar football this season. Um, Nottingham Forest sitting on nine. Palace sitting on 12 now. Um but yeah, this is not even Forest team that can put in a good performance, can put in a poor performance. A Crystal Palace team that can put in a good performance, can put in a poor performance. You make you mix that together, and what do you get? Nil, nil, draw. West Ham two, Newcastle two. A good game and a game that maybe was worth covering this week, but uh, I think we we went with the Brighton one, uh, Brighton Liverpool instead. Suchek got a start in the eighth. Then Izak in the 57th, Izak in the 62nd, and then Mohamed Kudis, Ethan's boy, Mohamed Kudis gets his first goal for West Ham uh, in the 89th, the equalizer, um, and West Ham take a point off Newcastle at home. Um, Newcastle, if they want any kind of aspiration of top four this year, these were the games that they were going and winning last year. Um, not so fortunate this year. Now they sit eighth on 13 from their... Um, First eight games, one point behind West Ham, one point above Crystal Palace. Chris, uh, full Champions League slate on the horizon, and right now they're sitting top. We didn't even talk about fucking Dan Burns going against PSG. Yeah, because that is a, <laughs> that is its own fucking entity right there. I mean, Dan Burns outclassing about how, Mbappe. <laughs> <laughs> great, great Johnny stay, uh, Sharples. I think uh, tweeted it. It was um, we talked about how. Uh, we thought Dan Bird would handle PSG, but we never mentioned how PSG would handle Dan Bird, <laughs> and they simply couldn't. They couldn't on the day. Um, they're so used to dealing with all these, you know, flamboyant and you know, shifty players in the in the French league that they they just don't know how to deal with the big Dan Burns of the world. And honestly, Dan Burns could go right back to Paris and score another one because. They could not handle him on the day. He was winning everything in the air. I'm being dead yeah. serious. They, he was a dominant player in that game. I think, look, first game at, uh, first Champions League game at uh, St. James in 20 plus years, like, you could send fucking 0809 Barca in there and they would have had a yeah. tough time getting a win. Like, that was, <laughs> that was a hostile atmosphere yeah. for even the killing of Apes of the world. Um, but, uh, that Newcastle performance, you just gotta. It it just warms your heart, doesn't it? Yeah. To, I guess the, so, I mean, oil club v oil club, but I mean, come on. <laughs> the noise after that Almiron opener just says it all. Yeah. I mean, that place is rocking, and why wouldn't it be? Yeah, just yeah, great to watch from a neutral's perspective. Anyways, back to the Premier League. Um, points are shared on the day. Newcastle and West Ham sitting seventh and eighth, respectively. Uh, actually disrespectively flip that around West Ham in seventh Newcastle in eighth um and lastly uh Wolves won Aston Villa won Huang He Chan cannot keep his name off the fucking score sheet this year he gets his scoring started in the 53rd Pau Torres gets his first goal for Aston Villa in the 55th Lamina gets a what ended up being harmless red card in the 94th um but it ends 1-1 Aston Villa probably hoping to take three off Wolves in the state that Wolves are in. I know they just came off a big win last week against the Manchester City, but 
Uh, Astonville, if they have any aspirations of cracking the top four, probably needs to take three points in this game. Couldn't get it done on the day. Um, didn't watch a ton of this game, but from the stats, 54% possession, four shots on target, 18 shots to Wolves' aid. It seems like they were putting the pressure on. Seems like they likely would put the pressure on, um, but probably disappointed not to take three. And that rounds out our coverage of match week eight. We jump right into match week nine, and we have one prediction this week. It's Chelsea hosting Arsenal. Can, Arsenal, can Chelsea rate their form against the joint top? Uh, yeah, this is, this is an intriguing game because obviously Arsenal is just a far superior team at the moment, but Chelsea starting to regain their form. Two nice away wins now coming back to Stamford Bridge. A bit of optimism. Atmosphere should be good. Not great because it's Stanford Bridge. It's the atmosphere mm-hmm. isn't is recently is rarely rocking, I'd say. But yeah. um But yeah, I think this is gonna prove to be a somewhat difficult test for Arsenal. I'm gonna go with a one no win away from home for Arsenal, but I don't think they're gonna blow Chelsea out of the water here. Um yeah, I mean, we never really go to Chelsea and, like, put in, like, a really great performance. Even that 4-2 was, like, really back and forth, really didn't defend great, kind of made the most of our chances. I know Nketiah was clinical, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe was clinical, a shitty penalty at the end for uh, Bukayo Saka. Um, but I do think Arsenal are going to be the better team, and it's going to be a little more comfortable than 1-1. I'm going to say 2 no- uh, nothing, or one nothing. You said one nothing. I say two nothing. Uh, I said one prediction, but we're gonna do two mini predictions. You get two sentences to describe your prediction. We'll go City Brighton. City win three one. Rodri's back. Is he back? Back at yeah the- off suspension. Yeah, yeah. Back at home. Need to make amends. Yeah. Um. Wait, should I do it in a haiku? <laughs> Rodri is now back. City win the game by two goals. Two to zero. Now. There you go. There's your haiku. How many and syllables the, is a uh, haiku supposed to have? <laughs> I think it's five seven five. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um <laughs> But let's throw one uh, Mer- Merseyside Derby prediction in there. Might be a little one-sided, but why not, right? It's always a good game. Uh, at Anfield, correct? Yes. Uh, 2-1 Liverpool. Uh, Ever- Everton coming back to form a little bit. Um, Liverpool's, you know... Counter is going to be non-existent because Everton is just going to be sitting back all game. So they're going to have to find ways to break Everton down, which they will be able to do. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, Everton, hey, they're creating more expected goals than City. So they're, they're good for one, I'd say. <laughs> I w- I'd rather play City right now than Everton. <laughs> City coming off a loss, Everton coming off a 3 nothing win. Like, Ask me who I'd rather play. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go. I can see this game ending nil nil. Honestly, I think something just wacky could happen like that. Uh, I mean, it's a Merseyside derby. I think you kind of throw a form out the window when it comes to this stuff. But I still think Liverpool, even though they've been a little vulnerable in the counter attack, I don't think Everton have necessarily been deadly on the counter attack. So I think they might get out of jail there. I'm gonna say two nothing. And now we roll on to our final segment, which I'm going to pass on to my brother to introduce to us. Yes, so obviously it's been a minute since Arsenal last beat City in the Premier League. Uh, In case you were unaware, it's been 12 consecutive losses at the hands of Manchester City for Arsenal. The last victory coming at the Emirates on December 21st, all the way back in 2015. A 2-1 victory. So I'm going to give Brian just a little quiz. Um... All questions soccer related, and all of them gonna just be related to either, you know, 
testing Brain's knowledge of that game way back when, and yeah, you know, what's happened since. Sound good? Oof. It does. I can't. I'm I'm trying to remember who was in that team. Okay, whatever. Just ask questions. I'll 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 think about it. <laughs> Well, it's not good that you're not feeling confident about that because your first question is to name two out of the three goal scorers in that game. Okay, 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 okay. <sighs> these are not my answers, but these are, these are my, like, I'm workshopping here a little mm -hmm. bit. I want to say Cazorla scored in that game. I, I, I want to say, like, Cazorla, Giroux, Walcott. But could easily be, like, a Flamini. Or like a. All right, I'm gonna stick with Cazorla Giroux Walcott, and I'm gonna say Cazorla Giroux. Those are my. That's my guess. So your guesses are Cazorla. My guess. My guess is Cazorla, Santi Cazorla, and Olivier Giroux. Yes. You got one of two. You should have stuck with Theo. It Walcott. was Theo Walcott and Olivier Giroux. Santi Cazorla was not even in the squad. For this game um really damn yeah he damn. was injured as he was quite frequently at this point in his arsenal career yeah. unfortunately all right next question Who was the third the third was, was that part of the next the third was yaya oh 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 okay two oh oh i was thinking just arsenal goal scores okay yeah sure yeah you could have named any three goal scores i don't know if that would have helped if yeah. you remembered who uh, was that the game where yaya scored like an absolute banger it was like top yeah. corner. yeah it was off this is the game was at the Emirates, like, right yeah 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 yeah. okay yeah okay now uh, now i remember the uh, game. Got it. okay yeah all right second question how many ballon d'ors has messi won since arsenal had last beaten city <sighs> okay let's let's work backwards here uh, nothing in 2020. Well, how many Ballon d'Ors? Okay, so the 2015 Ballon d'Or counts for this, yeah? Yes, it does. Yes. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, nothing in 20, 21, 22, 20, 23 has been given, so it's 7. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, nothing 20, 21, 22. So it's 7. Ba 7 Ballon d'Ors have happened. Modric won one of them. Benzema won last year. Messi won the year. Ronaldo had that one in there. So three? Final answer? Yes. Three is correct. Thank you. 2015, okay. All right. All right. 2019, 2021. Yes. I was working backward. I was like, yeah. Benzema won one, Modric won one, and... I was like, then the, what's it called? There was none in 2020. And then I was like, Ronaldo's got to, had, a, had to have won in, won in there. So I said three. All right. Next one, pretty straightforward one. Not necessarily easy, but straightforward. Who was top of the league after Arsenal had beaten City that game? Chelsea? Final answer? Final answer? Yes. You've had an absolute nightmare there. It was Leicester. Oh, this oh, is was where... it, oh, oh that, was, that was the bad year. Oh, my God. Wait, yeah. I was thinking 15. Yeah, 2015 uh, threw you off there because it was December 2015. Yeah. So 15, 16 right. season. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, believe I Mourinho had been fired like two weeks earlier. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, my yeah. fault. My fault, Leicester. Un under understandable lapse in judgment yeah. there. Yeah, 2015. All right. Question number four of six. How many mm. goals did Arsenal score during their 12-match losing streak in the Prem against City? And I'll give you multiple choice here. Um, five, six, seven, or eight. Mm. In the Premier League. In the Premier League. I could probably name a decent amount of them. I know Koscielny got <laughs> one. I know Lacazette got one, I think. I know... Is 
Kazan. I know, I know Walcott, I think, got one. But that might have been in, like, the FA Cup or something. What was it? Five, six, seven, eight? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say six. Final answer? Yes. It was five. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's disappointing. Yeah. But it makes sense, honestly. Yeah. I think the aggregate score was 33 to five, potentially. I think, that mm. if I remember correctly. All right. That's embarrassing. I, that yeah. might be, like, the most one-sided of any big six matchup in the last seven years. So. All right. You you mentioned before um, you weren't sure whether Walcott's goal came in the Prem or not. This is kind of this question kind of relates to that. So Arsenal and City have played mm-hmm. each other six times outside of the Premier League during the twelve match losing streak. How many mm-hmm. of those not games did Arsenal pre-season. win? Not including preseason. What was it? Um, not include Community Shields count if that's what you're asking. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah, I was talking about like America games. Yeah, no, not um, those. Okay, so restate the question again. Sorry, I, I was. So during during the time span in which the Arsenal's twelve match losing streak to City occurred, Arsenal and City played each yes. other six times outside the Premier League. How many of these okay. games did Arsenal win? You get multiple choice here as well: one, two, three, or four. Well, we got him in the Community Shield. They got him in the FA Cup twice. Um, they got him in the semifinal in 2020. So that's two right there. <sighs> I know they lost in the FA Cup last year. I'm trying to think. That, that FA Cup run in like 2017, was it? 2018? That that was there were a lot of flotsam and jetsams in there. It was it was like I think we got Lincoln City in the quarterfinals. Yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> um and then like our semifinal was like Sheffield or something. It was like not or like some like like Essen Villa or something who was bad at the time. I don't I forget, I can't remember. Um I'm gonna say two. Two Think of my gut. Final answer? Two. Yeah. Yeah. The answer was three. They Wait, actually did play missing. City in that 2017 semifinal. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? You'll you okay. remember. Well, yeah. Two-one memory. victory. Alexis Sanchez scored in added time. And Monreal? Oh, was it Monreal, Monreal scored at the back post? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, Final question. Not related to. This one's not really related to Arsenal City at, at all, other than the uh, time frame. How many managers have Watford had since Arsenal had last been in Sydney in the league, excluding like caretaker managers? <laughs> it's, a compl- it's a complete guess, but, you know, just yeah. try to see if you can use deductive reasoning. Uh, 11, 12, 13, or 14? Uh, okay. And again, not including I caretaker mean, managers. So Sure. Um, I, I would go back and see how many I can name, but honestly, that would not help <laughs> me. Um, Lopetegui was in there somewhere. Uh, I think Lopetegui is in there somewhere. Um, I'll give you the hint that another. he was not in there. <laughs> not okay. that it would I'm really help you there. Some other, but... like, maybe like Javi Gracia or something. Yeah, like there you go. Yeah, Javi Gracia. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking of another one-off Spanish manager. Um, 11, 12, 13, 14? Yep. 13. Final answer. Lucky number 13. Unlucky for you, unfortunately. It was actually 14. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah 14 managers in not even eight years yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, that's, that's pretty brutal. That <laughs> little little and, fun fact. Because uh, the, the 14th manager is obviously still in the job. But of the 13 managers to be sacked in that time... On average, they managed 26.8 games. So, just a little over half a season. Hmm. I'm sure there are some outliers in there that, you know, one, well, two yeah. year, three year manager that when, kept their. Uh... At the beginning of that run of managers, when Watford weren't too bad, they were doing all right in the Prem. Like, you know, managers yeah. getting like 40 games. Like, I think Javi Grassi had like 66 games. 
But in the last couple, there have been a couple like 26s, 211s. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well. Um, all right. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was borderline prepubescent Brayden. Um, <laughs> definitely prepubescent Ethan. Um, that's, that's a pretty brutal stretch. 33 to 5 is no fucking joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean that was that was back to Vanger. That's you know even Arsene Vanger got his ass kicked by uh by yeah. Guardiola. Um, but nice to get that monkey out their back. Hopefully we can flip another thirty five to five the other direction for the next seven years. But something tells me that's not in the cards. Um, but with that we will round out the podcast for this week. Uh, I mean this is a pretty decent slate coming up this week. Uh, Aston Villa West Ham should be a good well game. after the international break. Like, Yes, yeah, there well there is obviously the international break. Um international break that I think England are missing both Saka and there's another injury that I'm forgetting, but yeah, Saka's hopefully gets back for the uh for the Chelsea game. But yeah. City Brighton should be great, Chelsea uh, Chelsea Arsenal should be great, Villa West Ham should be great, obviously Merseyside Derby is always a fantastic showing. Um so with that, we'll say goodbye. Adios. See ya.